Hey everyone, what's up and welcome back to the Parenting for a Change podcast. This is Matt Dinsky sitting here with Rob Marks. Good to have you here, buddy. Thanks. Last week, we continued our uh, series in this Passing on Our Faith, Discipling Our Children podcast. And we looked at the first principle uh, of this series, which is start them young or start them where they're at. This week, we're going to continue that same series we're going to look at. Second principle, normalizing it in the home. What does it look like to make our faith normal? Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you have a great time and let's get into it. All right, Matt. So we're going to jump into number two today in this episode of this podcast. And number two of our principles, last time we'll start them young. This time it's going to be normalizing it in your Mm -hmm. home. Yes. So let, let's think about about it from the sports perspective first, since okay. that's our that ongoing to, metaphor. That seems to be the way yes. we're doing this, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, again, if, if you're sports fans, you're in the home, you, you, you've got, you're looking forward to the games, or maybe some of you guys are in fantasy football leagues, you got your jerseys, yeah. you got your rituals and ceremonies, those are big, like, mm-hmm. hey man, you know, for this game, we do this. And even certain teams, you said it last time, you see a, an Ohio fan, you say, OH, and they respond with, I-O. I-O. Yeah. And so, like, teams have their own little rituals, like um, Clemson Tigers or, like, the Tiger Paw, All In. Like, that's their little thing. I've heard about that, yeah. Gamecocks, Forever to Thee. They got their little Spurs hand signal that they do. And and so there's all these little things. And, like, it's so funny to me, like, sports fans will get so into the seasons and the games that they watch. And there's even a lot of, like, weird traditions, superstitions where it's like, I can't wash my jersey the entire season <laughs> right. because that that helps my yeah. team and, and stuff like that. And and what's so amazing about all that, all those nuances and the traditions and the the ceremonies, the rituals, the yeah. game nights, the food we eat, inviting friends over, what's really, really amazing about that is it's all normal. Right. Like I, I remember in college one time, one of my friends was taking a psychology class and he had an exercise. And um, the exercise was choose anything you want to in life and pretend – that you are an alien from another planet and you have come to Earth and you are observing this yeah. thing and you're taking notes on it. Right. And he chose the game of golf. He thought it <laughs> that would be an interesting study. Right. And if you if you do that mentality, it's all of a sudden really fascinating. Like think about it. There, there's there's a bunch of people who dress up in a plaid patterns and argyle yeah. patterns. I don't know if an alien would know those patterns, but they dress up a certain way. Right. You definitely have a look, polo and khakis and whatever yes. else. And they have these metal sticks and they're trying to hit a, a white ball off of grass that looks different than other grass yeah. on the same course. Yes. And they're all trying to get it into this little hole that has a yellow flag. Yeah. And they drive miniature vehicles around with bags that hold the metal club. Like <laughs> if you just you know, if you get yourself out of the normalization right. of it, it seems really, really strange. And in some degree, that's what we've done, I think, with the gospel is yeah. we've kind of made it this weird thing we're looking into from the outside and we and we have all these like little observations about it and it becomes very intimidating and yeah. we don't really know how to normalize Jesus in the home. And therefore, I think a lot of students, uh, teenagers, toddlers, they, they grew up with it not really being normalized. And so then it just seems like an awkward fit right. down the road. Like somewhere in a parent's mind, I think they know this should not be as awkward as it is. It should not feel this forced, but it is. What do we do about that? Yeah. So I think in the sports analogy, you can ask this question. It's kind of a different way to frame it, and you can do this in the faith world too. But let me stay on the sports analogy. Is if someone comes into your home 
and they experience what you experience, with, mm-hmm. and they ask this question: Is that is that normal? Mm-hmm. So, for us uh, on a Saturday through college football season, I mean, it's going to be you know watch game day pretty early on. We're going to have the whole spread of all the snacks and all the things. Everybody's going to gather around. We're going to be around the TV watching it. And if it's a close game, it's going to go crazy. If uh, Sherry's sister there, she gets really into the game. It's it, mm-hmm. it's going to get loud. Yeah, and we've had people who are in our home during that time, and afterwards they go, "Wow, like is that yeah, yeah. is that normal?" Yeah. And we go, "Yeah, that's totally the that's totally the way we are." So think about that now. Switch gears to that to, from a spiritual perspective. Ask yourself this question: If you're a parent, and you're listening to this podcast. What are the spiritual things that go on in your home that if somebody asks, like, is is that normal? You could answer yes yeah, to it. That's yeah, part of our family. Yeah, yeah, that's that's totally normal for us. That's that's kind of where it dissects it and helps you see like either we're doing this in a faith perspective in the faith world or we're not. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of people they don't. And so that's the whole mm-hmm. purpose of the podcast. So what does it look like from a yeah. faith side of it? What are some examples? Let's give some practical yeah. ways to how would we normalize faith in our home to where somebody w- would be there and go Okay, is that is, yeah, that, is that normal for is you that guys? A practice, and you could say yes. I think that's a great question, and I and I, I mean, I I've never been to a football game at your house on Saturdays, but I, I've been with families that it's intense, yeah. right? And it's it's pretty amazing because you're literally you're screaming at yeah. an electronic box <laughs> to people yes. and players who cannot hear you. And, this is normal, but you're channeling this passion, <laughs> right, and fury and and whatever else. You're disagreeing with the refs and all yeah, that. Yeah. And, and, yeah, it's a great analogy to think down. Um, and, and even decorations in home. Like you've got the, the custom uh, little cross-stitched Buckeyes pillow on the couch. I don't know if you do. I'm just no, throwing stuff out. But, you know, you've, you've got team shirts and jerseys. You've got framed yep. pictures of your alma mater and, and things like that or, or accent colors or painted the colors of, of that team yeah. in your house. And so everything is normalized. And so, yeah, I think the great, uh, great question to navigate is what does normalizing faith – what is normalizing Jesus? What does normalizing discipleship in our home look like? Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of parents get, and all of a sudden it's like crickets. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. What what are the colors of Team Jesus? What, yeah. what are, how do you get the logo of Team Jesus, right? And, and, and so it's really, yeah, it, it can be confusing. And that's where I think one of the things we're saying over and over and over right. again is it is normalized not necessarily through um, – you know, trying to find all these outside sources and all these exterior things, it is normalized right. the most when it's regular for you. Sure. So if faith is practiced by you, it it's yeah. normalized. Like yeah. if, if church is viewed as we drive to that building once a week and go into there and then we leave that building and it yeah. never trickles into our home and never defines our family, it doesn't create intimacy in the marriage, it doesn't uh, empower my parenting or help me understand better how to be a parent through the lens of the gospel. If those things aren't happening, yeah, it's not going to feel that normal. Yeah, yeah. so one of the things I would say for us is um, going to church and serving yeah, at church is a normal thing mm-hmm. for us. Like that is a part of who we are. It's a part of what we do. It doesn't mean that we don't miss a Sunday. I'm not saying that. It doesn't even mean that our kids' sports things haven't interfered. That that has definitely happened mm-hmm. in the past too. Yep. But but for the most part, if you were to ask the people around us, our extended family, what what would be happening mm-hmm. on a Sunday, they'd know. Like we're going to yeah. be at church. Church is a big, big actually, part of big part of who we are. I right? was just talking to your oldest daughter about that. Yeah, just yesterday she was telling me like Sundays is that's where. My my family goes to church. Yeah, I we mean, go to church and, and we yeah. serve at church. So that that's definitely a place that you could start. But then, like in our home, 
I would say, again, I, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. It's like a sense of community in our home is a big part of it for mm-hmm. us. It's like we wanted our kids to be able to say, like we wanted them to say that their parents were somebody that they wanted to be around. And so we tried to make ourselves available on a regular basis of just being there, to be being present and, and sitting together and having conversations. Uh, my kids blow and go for sure, but for the most part, there's still mm-hmm. this sense of like, no, we're going to sit together as a family. We're going to be a family. That's the place where it allows us to have faith conversations. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, with a group of friends once, I had I asked them, I said, have you ever shared the story about when you met your, if you're talking to the wife, met your mm-hmm. husband, when you guys met as a couple? And almost all of them go, yeah. Like, like I, as a matter of fact, somebody, one of their kids came by and they grabbed him. Like, that, hey, Dom, did you ever tell you how mom and I met? And they said, yeah, it was in such. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought mm-hmm. I had told them. I said, okay, have you ever told them about when you came to Christ? And that mm. wasn't so much mm. true. It was like, oh, I don't know that I've ever told them that. Yeah. And so part of what I felt like normalizing in the home for us was let's talk about faith things. Yeah. Let's talk about, like, this is the story of when I came to Christ. This is the story about how I've struggled through yeah. ups and downs of of life. Like, we've told um, past stories. Like, those are things that our kids would almost feel like they were a part of even though they weren't even born because we've tried to tell them, like, this is how God intersected in our life and worked in our lives. So that's one of the ways that we've tried yeah. to normalize is tell, tell stories. Yeah, stories are powerful, I think. I mean, narrative is just so powerful in every culture. Like yeah. that's that's how tradition is kept and that's how stories are passed along. Um, I mean, I, I would say a lot of this plays to the strengths of who the parents are too. So so yeah. for instance, I'm not musical at all. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm just not gifted in that way. But another pastor on staff here, Johnny Brush, is – and he'll have regular worship nights in his living room with his kids. Right. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah, that's I, awesome. I, I admire that. I wish I could do it. Um, I I can't lead worship well. Like, I can't sing. I yeah. don't know how to play the guitar. Um, so one of, one of the things I might do is, like, because uh, because laughter and fun is a big priority for us, especially at this age. Like, yeah. we want to have fun with our kids. We want to create memories and laughter. So we have regular dance parties in my yeah. home. Like pretty regular. Interesting. That's something I'd love to see at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, pretty regularly. Like it, it'd be rare for a month to go by and we haven't yeah. had at least one. And so, you know, I put on some music and um, and man, I'll just shout it out, dance party. Yeah. And and all of a sudden it's going, and we're just laughing and cutting up and kids are trying different dance moves or whatever. Sure. Uh, but but what's interesting is just recently, I think it was um, two weeks ago, my oldest son Trent, we finished uh, bath time. And in between bath time and bedtime, there's this kind of period of we either read books or mm-hmm. or we might watch a little bit of a, a show on TV yeah. or whatever else. And you know what he asked me for? He said, Dad, do you think tonight we could do a dance party together? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude. So we we had a dance party together yeah. for a solid 15 minutes. I mean, it That's lasted. Fun. I was, you know, sweating and hot. I was like, man, we got to do bath time all over again. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I bring that up just to say – we wanted to prioritize laughter and fun. Yeah. How did we do that? We thought of a fun way. Oh, dancing. That's fun. Put on some cool music and just start dancing. Yeah. Uh, when they were young, they didn't know what dancing was. So mommy and daddy had to model it. We yeah. we were just in the kitchen cutting up, goofing around, laughing. And and our toddlers started to join in with their awkward bodies and all yeah, that, yeah. just moving them around. But as they got older now, you know what they're asking for? If they, if they want to have fun and laugh and whatever else, they're asking for 
a dance party. Yeah. And so I, I think I think it just goes to show, like, y- y- thinking through what are the priorities of our family, and then how do we want to emphasize right. those, or, or how do we want to go about those? And if if faith is a priority, it doesn't necessarily have to be this super rigid, structured, yeah. theological thing. It can be as simple as putting on a, a song and you know dancing around to it, or or uh, sitting around the dinner table, making sure you're prioritizing time through a meal, or yeah. or making sure the ritual of going to church is is an emphasis. Yeah, what I hear there is. In order to normalize it in your home, there has to be a depth of relationship. Like you've mm-hmm. got to build a relationship not just with you and God, but and you and your spouse, but you and your kids too. It, it's so easy. I've I've found it, and we battle it all the time of just like being so busy that we don't even have time to even think. Like, what do we want to model for our mm-hmm. kids? Like, what does that look like? Now, uh, for us, uh, our kids are older now, and so our community Bible reading that we've been doing here for a while. We did a, we didn't, we honestly we didn't even give them mm-hmm. an option. It's like, we're going to do a family That's CBR cool. group. Yeah. And so they all have phones and, and they can text and, and, and they're not as consistent, you know, with it as we would be. But one of the things I always tell myself is like, I'm going to post something in this CBR group. And even if they don't do it every day, just because I want them to see like, no, this is normal for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, this is normal for me. So I want them to pick that up and have it be normal for them too. And sometimes it takes, it takes time. Yeah, this is something that we did a while back. Uh, we have a, on our dining room table this little foldover card that basically says that the around the dinner table is a no tech zone. Yeah, you, yeah. you can't be on yeah. your phone. And we, when we first put it there, like we had to say, like, okay, guys, remember, like, no, you got to put your phones away. And now we don't even think about it. It's just a no tech zone, and we just do it. But interestingly, what our kids would do is if family members, grandparents, or whatever would come, they would just pick it up and, you know, if mm-hmm. their grandpa's on their phone at the dinner table, they'd pick it up and just set it in front <laughs> not, of their... Not passive-aggressive at all. Yeah, yeah. they just set it in front of them. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he, oh, okay, That's I got I got to put That's this. Great. Or if friends came over, yeah. they would, sometimes jokingly, but they go, hey, they might yeah. point to it and go, no, nah, man, this is a, this is a no, yeah. no tech zone. Not yeah. not rigid, but just like, this is normal for us. This, yeah. is, this is who we are, so... Yeah, so much of it is derived out of the values of the family. Right. I mean, it, it's... Not everything. Not every family can have the same normals, and so it's it's sure. always going to look a little unique. Just like sports teams, every family is going to have their their normal things with how they tune in or how they're fans of that team yeah. or whatever. And when it comes to Jesus, I think it's the same same principles. Like there are things that will get normalized intentionally or even accidentally. Yeah. Sometimes you know the accidental ones can be the the ones you don't want to be normalized. And and that's why I think being so intentional with time is, is such an important value. So one of the things we learned recently in the past few years is that from the time a child is born until the time they graduate high school, you have 936 weeks as a parent. Right, right. You have 936 weeks. And that honestly does not seem like a long time, at least for me, as I think about my kids. I'm like, that's nothing. Yeah. It's- 936, that's nothing. It's 18 years. By the time you even think about the 936-week thing, you've already they're already like six or seven months old. You've already yeah. – so many weeks have already gone by. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a principle in life. You, you tend to make the most of the time you have now when you see how much time you have left. Right. And if, if you can create intentional markers like visuals um, to kind of capture how much time do I actually have. Yeah. And, and so one of the greatest bits of advice like I've ever gotten, this is this is from Reggie Joyner and the Orange uh, curriculum. I, I thought this was going to be from me. No, but. sorry, man. This <sighs> is, but, but one of the things they, they talked about is just parenting from week to week. Yeah. And I thought that was a really beautiful idea 
because if you have 936 weeks, it, you can get lost in the huge overview of like, oh, dude, where do I even start? Yeah. I'm going to lose so much. I'm going to miss so much. But, you know, if you can start to think from week to week, wh- what do I want my parenting to look like this week? What yeah. What's one priority I want to make sure happens this week? What What's one memory I want to make this week? Yeah. What's one thing or one uh, uh, ritual I want to have with my kids this week? Yeah. If you can just think about it week to week, it creates a sense of intentionality in parenting that is really, really missed when you're not looking at the time, when you're not thinking about the time, you're, you're just letting them pass and all of a sudden, and I hear this from parents all the time, where did time go? Right, yeah. My kid is an adult, what happened? Yeah. But when we have that sense of intentionality, when, we, when we're literally ticking the 936 and we're creating goals for each week, before you know it, you, you have some of the most intentional, uh, strategic parenting and you're going after key things because you're seeing how much time you have left, therefore yeah. you're making the most of the time you have now. I think that that has helped me personally right. in my parenting and how I think about the week-to-week. Well, well, I feel like the normalizing it in your home from a faith perspective falls into a couple of categories. It's it's what what you do. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the things that you're doing? So praying together, are you spending time mm-hmm. in God's Word? Like, make that normal. Like, this is a right, re- which means normal to me means it's happens regularly. Yep. It's not a one-off. Yep. Like it's it's yep. it, it's something they can count on. And for kids, particularly when they're younger, reading the same stories. I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't <laughs> know how many books I read over and over and over and over again the same book. But that's that's important. That repetitive part is important to them. So it's what you do. It's what you say and talk about. So the stories that you share, mm-hmm. um, the things that you focus on with your words. But there's also another category I was thinking about, and it's what you celebrate. Mm-hmm. Like normalizing in your home in the realm of faith based on what you what you celebrate. So what I was yeah, thinking of that good. is is and again I, I talked a little bit about this before about how we thought about um, holidays, but it's more than that. It's the things that we celebrate is the things that we accentuate. So even for their birthdays. Like we we got into this pattern where their birthdays, we would start back at the very beginning. We would show them pictures. You know, we pull out old baby pictures, mm-hmm. some because that's fun. It embarrasses them. Like, start with these old baby pictures and talk about, like, this is who you were and this mm-hmm. is, you know, this is you and a little baby and all the little stories. Like, in that moment, what we're doing, we're celebrating them, but we're mm-hmm. telling them, like, man, we we were, God so blessed us when he brought yeah. you. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you're, you're celebrating God's intervention in their their life. And so... To me, that was an example of like, hey, let's celebrate them because we feel like they're fearfully and wonderfully made by God, and and we want to we want to celebrate that. So, mm-hmm. some some of the things that we try to do is like, what do we celebrate too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's beautiful, man. So so here's a here's a principle for the normalizing it in your home. A principle for the principle. Yes, a sub principle. A sub principle. Right. So, okay, I love this. I, I think I think uh, people in general, but but kids will will begin to experiment with that uh, uh, which they experience. Yeah. Right? So, so if, it's, if it's experienced a bunch in the mm-hmm. home, eventually they're going to begin to pick it up. They're going to experiment with it. They're going to yeah. try it on for themselves for the first time. They're going to understand there's something about this that tends to repeat itself over and over and over in mm-hmm. the home. Maybe, maybe we should try it. Maybe there's something to it. So, so I actually wanted to share a story with you. Um, so one of the things that I've done ever since my kids were young is, is pray with them. So when I only had uh, one kid, when we had Trent, when he was a little baby, yeah. Every single night, I would sing to him. I just nestle him right here on my shoulder, his little head in my hand. And yeah. I just sing to him and bounce him. And, and I made up a song 
for all my kids. I will not sing it because, as I said, I it's can't. the same song, or you made up an individual song for each kid. It's the same it's song with song. different lyrics, oh, okay, same okay. tune. Maybe. Gotcha, that's gotcha. the best, best way of saying it. But it's basically my prayer for them, and, and so you know, I wanted to to sing it because the, the rhythm would often comfort them yeah. rather than just like God, I pray for you yeah. know, <laughs> um, Gregorian chant type prayer. Uh, and and so you know, I would sing that to Trent every single night, and I just didn't even think about it as like. Yeah. Oh, one day he'll right. get this. Yeah, you weren't going into it thinking, I'm going to do this because then they'll get – yeah, I get it. No, it was just my way of I want to pray for my kids. And so, of course, when I had my next child, Gray, I would begin to pray for him. Now we have little Olive and you know I'm praying for her through our little song. But this is – um so so recently, earlier in the year, my, my middle child, he's two. Earlier in the year, I was praying for him and I put him in his little crib and I was praying for him. I wasn't singing this one, but it's, yeah. the, it's the same words that I do. And I was praying. And truthfully, I lost my place. Like, I, I just kind of, like, went blank <laughs> in my head. I was like, I, oh, out where, of, where out am I in this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not because I was distracted or yeah. whatever. Um, I just lost my place. And so uh, there was literally a few seconds of silence. And all of a sudden, my little two-year-old starts finishing the prayer. Yeah. And I look down at his crib, and I, I, I mean, my jaw dropped. I, I just yeah. couldn't believe, what, what? Like he, he's saying the prayer yeah. and it's not necessarily a short, you yeah. know, little rhyming prayer. Like it is a, there's specific things I'm praying for. Yeah. And I realized he has soaked this up and all this time at some point he knew the prayer, mm. but I never switched over to actually giving him opportunities to, right. to pray with me. Yeah. I think I just assumed, well, I'll do it for him, you know, forever. Yeah. Um, and so all of a sudden, because of my, you know, going blank in my head, he's finishing the prayer. And I realized, dude, this has become so normal to him mm-hmm. that it's, he knows it. It's a yeah. practice for him. We've done it every night since he was an infant. Again, going back to our previous episode, I didn't wait till he was a certain age yeah. before I started teaching him how to pray. I just modeled it. But now he knows it as a two-year-old. And so I began to experiment a little bit with my two-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> and so one night I began praying and I prayed the beginning of the sentence, and I would stop talking just to see what he would, he would do. do yeah. And every sentence, he finished it out wow. with the categories that, that I would pray for him. So I have the audio clip here. I want, I want to play it so we can, we can hear it. This is my two-year-old Gray uh, praying with Daddy on his, on his bedtime routine. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for Gray Gray. I pray to give him a great night's sleep and sweet, sweet dreams. You'd watch over him, keep him safe and healthy. Breathing well and sleeping the whole night. Breathing well and sleeping well the whole night. I pray that Gray would come to walk with you. I mean, that that I pray that Gray would come to be a leader in your kingdom. Like the woods. Like the woods, sheltering and strong. strong. That he would know that he's loved and never alone. May you bless him with a great wife and great friends who love and encourage him. I pray that he find his worth and identity and purpose in you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you, buddy. I love you. Good night. So, dude, I I was just floored. And then... Now we do that on the regular. Like yeah, I, yeah. I don't pray at all for him anymore. We we did splitsies, and it, it was truthfully, 
um, you know, I've got a five-year-old. And up until this year yeah. with my five-year-old, I've prayed the whole time. Sure. It was my two-year-old who helped me understand, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I think I can begin to transition and empower them a little bit and let them own this a little bit. And so now with my five-year-old, I don't do the, the half and half, yeah. but I've given him like, all right, buddy, would you like to pray for us tonight? So we do every other night. There's yeah. whole nights where he leads it, and it's usually like— God, thank you for ice cream that we ate right. today and my family and our house <laughs> and our awesome, friends man. and whatever else. But it's, I mean, it's his heart. Yeah. And they wouldn't have known where to start with that had it not been normalized to begin with. Yeah. And I think that's the whole ethos of what we're trying to say right. is like, if Jesus is the priority of our hearts, normalizing that in our home, it can look differently based on your family system and the yeah. values. But when it is normalized, it's going to aid our first principle, which right. is to start them young or start them now. If it's not normal, it's going to be very, very hard for toddlers and children and, yep. and teenagers to grab a hold of things. Yeah, I, I love that example. And I think the, one of the coolest things about that is you didn't go into it thinking, well, this is what I'll do. I'll do this, and then they'll pick no, it up. No, it was and they'll, complete yeah, <laughs> and, and that's awesome because you discover, like, wow, as I normalize this, they actually pick it up. So I'm, what, what, are the, what is the likelihood when he's – your age, and he has a little boy, that he's going to do the same thing. It's very mm-hmm. likely. Like, because why? Because he goes, well, that, in his mind, it'll be, that, well, that, that's what you do. Like, that's what dad did with us. Yeah, yeah. that's what dad, that's what dad did with us, and that's yeah. what I would want to do. So yeah. that's what I think you know you're hitting the normal, normalizing it in your home is when yeah. your kids go, well, I wouldn't think about doing anything but that because that's yeah. just what I, that's what I grew up with. Yeah. So, so a little insight into this generation. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Gen Z. That's, that's the generation uh, of adolescents currently. Um, the next generation, you know, they're not, they're, they're going to be here in a few years from now. So the current generation, they've got some values for mm-hmm. sure. And when it, when it comes to thinking about church, it's, it's pretty interesting to study kind of the generational emphases of, of how, generation, how different generations have prioritized. What are we trying to emphasize in church? Millennials, my generation, I think we really tried to emphasize a cool factor. Like we really tried to make a draw yeah. and an attraction uh, towards church and, you know, cool lights and haze yeah, yeah. in the room and, and sound systems and communicators and bands are awesome and all this stuff. Every, everything was kind of cool, right? But what's interesting about Gen Z, like the current adolescent culture, mm. is one of the highest values they have is, is not that Jesus seems cool. Mm-hmm. So parents, let me encourage you. If you feel like, I don't, I'm not cool, <laughs> that's yeah. okay. Um, You're probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, you probably are. You just, But that's not the value. What Gen Z really, really desires is that it's authentic. Mm-hmm. Like that's the value system. They're not as concerned with the cool factor. What they want is authentic. And what that means is, they want a genuine experience with Jesus. Yeah. Now, because Jesus is not physically present on this planet anymore, because he's ascended into the heavens, how does Jesus manifest himself? He right. manifests himself through the people of Jesus. His spirit abiding and indwelling us is the manifestation of the presence of Jesus in the lives of our children. Yeah. They will experience the authenticity of Jesus through the authenticity of of us as parents. Right. Like that's how they're going to experience Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And I, to me, it's like when I, if you're a parent and you're listening, that's not, that's not to make you feel guilty if you don't feel like you're doing it. It's really to encourage you to go, yeah. man, step into faith and what that looks yeah. like. And it, you don't have to have it perfect. No, just like in all. your story, like, no, just engage in the things of faith and bring your kids into that circle so much so that it starts to feel normal for them. It doesn't matter whether they're five or they're 15 you can normalize it in your home. You can just yeah. say, this is a part of who we are. So great, great, great stuff. 
Um, so we've hit normalizing your home. The next episode, we're going to look at um, number three mm-hmm. of our principle. Third principle, yeah. And that is to instill knowledge. Yeah, how do we instill knowledge into our children? And you may think, well, I don't know that much. Well, you, you do. You, you actually yeah. really, really do. Yeah. And you've got life experience in so many things. So we're going to talk about that next time. All right. Sounds good. Sweet. Thanks, Rob.